Hey, LaGrange. I'm Earl Gordon Barnett, and you're listening to the only podcast about LaGrange, Georgia. Well, it turns out that's not true anymore. Our little town now has two podcasts covering the people and stories of the booming metropolis that is now LaGrange, Georgia. That other podcast is called Lewis and Broad. They do the same thing I do, except with an exceptionally religious bend. I have, two deg- I have three degrees in Bible and theology but prefer to lay those aside when letting people tell their stories. That's primarily what sets us apart. They're religious. I prefer not to be so. That's okay, though. If you're just discovering the show, welcome. If you're a tried-and-true listener, like I know some of you are, thanks for sticking it out with me on this journey with me. This week, we're going to revisit an old interview. Reverend Alan Pruitt. This is because he was a recent guest on Lewis and Broad, as well as discussed heavily in this week's um, episode. I thought since I didn't have a guest, I would repost my interview with Reverend Alan Pruitt from this time last year. I hope you enjoy listening, and I'll be back next week with an all-new episode. I'm here with Alan Pruitt. Um, I'll, I'll let you do the introduction. Okay. My name is Alan Pruitt, and I am the rector of St. Mark's Church in LaGrange, Georgia, an Episcopal church in downtown LaGrange. Um, And rector just means I am the priest in charge of the church, kind of think of director. Um, The the word comes from the same root word, so it's a strange word, but that's my my job title. Okay, Um, so what would you say you're most known for here in LaGrange? Um, I think, I mean, to some degree, people recognize me and... I barely recognize them if they've been to a funeral here or something like that. And I always think I should know people, uh, and it has to do with my job. But um, to some degree, I think I'm probably more widely known as uh, the the dad of my daughters and the husband of my wife. Um, I think I know even more people through them than I do through my church. Really? That's interesting. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think it has to do with just how social they are and how many people they know and so I the the number of people that I knew grew exponentially when I married them so would you like to give a shout out a shout out to them yes oh my wife Casey and my daughters Abby Grace and Ali yeah they're they're great um, okay they're a lot of a lot of fun and a lot of energy all right so how long have you been the rector at St. Mark's in LaGrange a little over nine years I moved here in October of 2010 Okay. And so um, about about a, nine years and a month, I think, around uh, about is how long I've been here. Okay. Yep. Because I remember Flora and I moved to LaGrange in June of 2010. Mm-hmm. And we had been here maybe maybe less than a year when you came. That's right. Yeah. So if you moved in the summer of 2010, that was I didn't yet have this job, uh, but I was interviewing for it and um, and then got the job in late summer and started in October. Um, And so, and I've been a priest for about a little over 12 years. Um, Started, uh, got ordained to the priesthood in uh, July of uh, 2007. Okay. And then uh, my first job was about three years and then I've been here ever since. So where was your first job? Uh, Great Falls, Virginia, a bedroom community outside of Washington, D.C. If you if you're on the west side of D.C., it's like the last exit before the river okay. where you cross over into Maryland. So, Was it a big transition moving from outside D.C. to LaGrange? 
it was a big transition, but I really had only lived in that area for six years, and they were six pretty formative years, and I really okay. loved it. But I'm originally from Rome, Georgia, and so um, that's just about two hours straight north on Highway 27 mm -hmm. from LaGrange, and so um, I'm, I grew up 20 miles east of the Alabama border, and I now live 20 miles east of the Alabama border, so in some ways it feels much more familiar okay. um, than, than what I was used to up in D.C. Got it. Yeah. All right. So we covered what first brought you to LaGrange, but what's the story behind moving here? There's got to be a story. Yeah, I mean, the story is, you know, being a priest means you don't, uh, you can't hang your own shingle like a lawyer. You can't just decide where you want to live. And so mm -hmm. you look around to see what's open and what you're interested in at times in your life when you're interested in moving. Um, three years as an assistant priest is about normal. Um, and it was time for me to, to be looking and uh, also just was looking to move back closer to my family. Um, I, like I said, I grew up in Rome, Georgia, and so my, my grandmother lived in Cedartown, which is even closer to LaGrange. Okay. And so I was very excited about anything that was open in the Atlanta area, mm -hmm. um, but was especially excited about a church and a community that was open um, within, you know, an hour and a half of, of where my family was. Okay. And so that was, that's probably the biggest driver behind why I was just so excited to move here. Um, there were other churches that I looked at in that time period and, and you know some that I even withdrew my name from consideration because it just wasn't a good fit and so LaGrange was both a good geographical fit, um, kind of the story I've already told, but it also was a great fit in terms of the church itself and was very excited about the possibility of moving here and, and have stayed excited and continue to be excited about being the rector here at St. Mark's. It's a, it's a great community of people and a lot of fun, a lot of laughter, um, and a lot of good people to work alongside of. Okay. So just to clarify, in the Episcopal Church, the priest picks the church, not the, they're not assigned. Well, the, last week we talked about with Adam Roberts, the, um, he was assigned by the priest. Yeah, by the bishop, by the bishop, that's right. So, yes, the Methodist Church has a deployment system that's much more similar to the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. The hierarchy kind of decides. They tell the minister and the church who is going to get paired up together. Um, there is obviously some say-so and probably some politics that play into that, but um, in the Episcopal Church, it's much more of kind of a free agent market system where um, a, a church is vacated by a priest either through retirement or something else uh, or they leave to get another job and the church puts together kind of a job description we call it a parish profile okay. um, and uh, a prospective priest looks at that profile and says hey I'm interested in that I, I might want to be there and they submit some materials and then it's about uh, from the time you submit your materials it's probably about a six-month process of them looking at paperwork and having phone interviews now well ten years later now probably Skype interviews um, and then, um, and then actual in-person visits, and so it's a it's a much more of a free agent market system in the Episcopal Church. The priest doesn't decide, unfortunately. I mean, we, we don't get to just say, "Hey, I want to be there," but it's a partnership of deciding between um, the priest, the parish, and the bishop. Okay. I think I get it. <laughs> it's it's a lot more straightforward than 
well, actually that's not true. It's much less straightforward than the Methodist system, but that also that, but it also means there's a lot more freedom for the parish and mm-hmm. the uh, and the priest to decide for themselves what is a good fit and what is not. Mm-hmm. Um, so increased uh, increased complexity uh, also increases the level of freedom that that each party has, which makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right. What do you wish you had first known when you moved to town? I wish I had known that it was impossible to have friends unless you had a family. Um, Now, some of that is because I moved to town single, Mm -hmm. and so I was interested in dating and, you know, getting my feet wet in town and then figuring out about dating and, you know, finding people to date and all that, and that was pretty difficult in town, and so... Um, like used internet sites and like match.com and stuff like that um, who knows what people use nowadays um, but did all of that kind of stuff which to some degree took me out of the town and out of some of those social events probably because I was but I just didn't know where to go to meet people and now like I said up front I know way more people because of my children mm-hmm. and my wife and all that sort of stuff and I just I think it's um, I think that the you know, 20 something or the 25 to 35 year olds who are single or who have no kids mm-hmm. have a little bit easier time of it 10 years later with places like Wild Leaf and mm-hmm. yeah. breweries and bars and stuff like that. But there was none of that here when I moved here. And so it was. Um, I very much understand. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, it was a difficult scene as far as meeting, not just meeting know women to date but just meeting friends and people my own age who, mm-hmm. who didn't already have kids um it was very difficult to meet anybody in those circumstances and um I wish I had known that up front it wouldn't have stopped me from moving here but I would have had a different set of expectations mm-hmm. that kind of aligns with some of my experiences too yeah I mean I think it's always hard when you're so used to I've been in seminary till I was 27 and then you know working in a a major metropolitan area from 27 to 30 many of my seminary friends still living in that area Mm -hmm. and so we were able to maintain friendships and you know that sort of thing and then to move to a much smaller area and not have those built-in friendships was kind of a double whammy I wasn't in the big area and I didn't have built-in friendships Mm -hmm. um and so but I think it's always harder to make friends outside of school settings or forced environments like a school is yeah um and so it's just it's just much more difficult and i would i would actually agree with that i would somewhat say that i have very similar experiences and now that i have children um it's very i'm surprised at how easy it is to make friends now that i have children absolutely yeah. It's just incredible. Yeah, it is. And you kind of have to like pick and choose your relationships now. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to, hey, it's like you're spooled for choice as opposed to uh, wondering where everybody is. Exactly. So what is your favorite story about living in LaGrange thus far? Oh, man. I'm not good at thinking of these. This is the one I thought about and could not come up with a good specific thing. I mean, the... The nicest thing about living in LaGrange is also one of the harder things about living in LaGrange, which is just how you know everybody. Mm -hmm. And so, like, it's really lovely how you can 
leave your house and when at least for me I live on one of the busiest streets in LaGrange and when I leave my house you know somebody honks at me which is sometimes <laughs> annoying but sometimes it's great because you're like hey there's that person I know um, and then drive to a restaurant and then you see two people you know there and then go from the restaurant to you know the small out by the interstate and you see three people you know there and it's it can be really lovely to to see your community on such a frequent basis or go to Publix, good Lord. Anytime you go into any of the grocery stores, yeah. you're always going to run into somebody that you know, whether you are looking your best or, you know, might as well be in your pajamas. And mm-hmm. so um, it's it's one of those things where you have to you take the good with the bad. And mm-hmm. it's mostly good to, to be able to see uh, people. And you, it, it does make me feel less isolated. You know, um, okay. I, I feel a lot less isolated here in LaGrange than I did in D.C. because, you know, I, I lived in one community and worked in a different community and commuted mm-hmm. and, yep. you know, all that sort of stuff. And I knew the people I knew, but I never really met anybody. I never met a new person. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so here I had to meet new people, which took a long time. But, you know, eventually you feel like you know everybody. Even though you don't, it's just like the same hundred people, but mm-hmm. still, there's a hundred of them. Um, but I mean, and then another funny story is just that I was like spending I don't know how much it was fifteen dollars a month on Match.com and driving to Peachtree City or Atlanta or wherever to go on dates, and then I wound up marrying a woman who lived a mile and <laughs> a mile one point three miles from my house, you know, and so we wound up meeting. That's kind of a very Lagrange kind of thing. Tell me more about that. Um, I, my wife and I met at a Christmas party, um, and we kind of, we met one year at a Christmas party and didn't really hit it off. I mean, we, we weren't antagonistic by any means, but we just kind of met, shook hands, whatever. Okay. And then at the next Christmas party, we, you know, a year later we met again and we really did hit it off that time and, and kind of just began to talk to each other. And it's one of those things that just unfolded slowly over the course of six or eight weeks to where we're like hey i think we might be dating oh okay Um, and so and we were and you know defined a relationship and move forward from there Mm -hmm. so um yeah that's that's how we met was at a a, a mutual friend's christmas party a year before you actually started dating correct correct that is an interesting nuance yeah yeah i met her a month or two after I moved here. I uh, moved here in October and mm-hmm. Christmas party that same year, 2010. And then, but we didn't start, you know, we didn't hit it off, like I said, until a year later, December 2011, and maybe, you know, even mm-hmm. a couple of weeks later. That's very interesting, actually. Yeah, yeah. That's, huh. Yeah. Okay. So what is your favorite spot or place in the Grange? And you can't say the church because that's cheap answer and... That is a cheap answer. I mean, it's a lovely church, and it's a beautiful place. If you've never been inside St. Mark's, I encourage you to come for Christmas Eve services, 5.30 and 11 o'clock on Christmas Eve. Um, that was cheap. Um, but <laughs> Got to get the promo in. Exactly. Promo. My favorite spot in LaGrange? I, I mean, there's all kinds of little hidden gems. Like, I really wish that the hillside neighborhood was a little bit more developed. I like the fact that you know, um, that Beacon and some other things that now Cart Barn are both over mm-hmm. there in that area 
but it just seems it's, it's like already set up to be another little downtown you know it's got mm-hmm. shops and places to park and all that sort of stuff and I think I would love to see some more areas like that it's, mm-hmm. it always surprises me you know how things connect when you don't just take Whitesville Road and, Ham- and you know Hamilton Road and those kind of when you try to go in between places mm-hmm. um, especially if I'm because often I'm just going from home to a soccer practice or from home to the grocery store. And so I, if, if I'm not careful, I can find myself always coming. And because I live downtown, I can wind up coming back to my house before I go somewhere else. Instead, I can like wander around a little bit and mm-hmm. move through the community and, and find different funny ways to get places. I don't know that it's in LaGrange, but I really, really, it's in Troop County. I really like the Mountville community, like all these small towns and like Mountville. Um, Mountville, yeah, out out past the mall. Um, if you keep going, uh, my girl's grandparents live there, and so um, it, you go out past the mall, and and it's just this. It's like the oldest settlement in Troop County, I think they say. Okay. And um, just I love little small communities like that. It's on the way to Greenville, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You if you blink, you miss it. Okay. Um, and so. You know, stuff like that, or going out to the, the peach farm, you know, out past Greenville, you go and get peach ice cream and, you know, okay. those kinds of... I, I love the fact that we're, you know, it can be a little annoying when you want to, like, actually hold a shirt before you buy it, because there's no good place to buy men's clothing in LaGrange. Mm-hmm. But, you know, by the same token, though we are not close to anything, we're also not very far away from anything. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate the fact that in 40 minutes I can be in Auburn or Opelika, really. And then in an hour and 10 minutes I can be in downtown Atlanta or you yeah. know, that kind of thing. And then also within 20 or 30 minutes I can be at some little like peach farm or some other kind of farm, mm-hmm. you know, getting fresh stuff. And it, it's, a, it's a cool area for that, for that reason. I'm learning to appreciate I'm learning to appreciate LaGrange for that. Yeah, absolutely. Like we are really in a key uh, in a key location. We're just an hour from Atlanta, mm-hmm. which is the hub of the southeast. Mm-hmm. It really is. We're an hour from the biggest metropolitan area in the southeast. Yeah. Well, and really, and we're less than that away from the airport. I mean, I I know friends of mine who live on the north side of Atlanta, and they're 15 miles from the airport, but it takes them two hours to get there sometimes. And because of the traffic on yeah. the belt line. Yeah. And it really takes us like 45 minutes to, you know, get to the parking spot mm-hmm. and then and, and another 15 to get to, to the security line. Yeah, I can be door to door to the, I can have, I can drop you off from my house door to door in an hour flat. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can have you on the curb. Yeah, absolutely. In an hour. And it's almost it's pretty predictable. I mean, there's a little traffic sometimes depending on the time of the day, but it's it's the great thing about being on the same side of the of town as the airport is it's pretty predictable. And, mm-hmm. You know, for me the only downside is it's it's you have to get through Atlanta to get to the mountains. Uh, that's the only bad part about the location of Lagrange. I love going to the North Georgia mountains. You don't cut and, uh, you don't cut up straight up twenty seven. No, because. I, I like to go to the part that's like directly north of Atlanta. Oh, okay. Like LJ, Blue Ridge, that kind of thing. Got it. And it, the traffic has to be pretty miserable for the, for taking the westerly route to, to make sense. Okay. Uh, and it sometimes is that miserable, but then it's taking you like three and a half hours to get up there. 
and really with no traffic it should be like two and a half got it and so but yeah that's the only downside of the location is it's not on the right side of Atlanta from the mountains mm-hmm. so what is your go-to order at your favorite restaurant or bar well for me so so my go-to order has become like a lunch at 505 Eats okay and pretty much every week there's some kind of special that I'm interested in I was gonna say is there any special order off the menu that you and so well I mean the stuff that's always available the the spicy chicken salad like Mm -hmm. I just love that and the potato chips are better than any potato chip I don't know what they do to those things I think they fry them or something but on site but they're they're just delicious Uh, in fact that's where I just was eating lunch was at 505 Eats um before you and I got together um and so that would be my order and then also I um what is it called there's some kind of sticky rice dish with really spicy chicken that she makes called chicken lard and every time it's on the special menu I go in at least twice that week and sometimes three times to get it that's Joyce at 505 yeah Joyce at 505 that's that is my number one place to go for sure sticky rice with chicken it's yeah it's called chicken larb is the dish and so the, there's sticky rice on one side and like this shredded chicken on the other that is like super spicy and will make you sweat but it is so delicious really yes that sounds interesting it's delicious yeah i mean and really like to have a place in lagrange that offers kind of ethnic foods and things that are not to have a place in lagrange that is that is offering you know ethnic foods and places foods from all over the place and they're fresh and the ingredients are good and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. that is what is so delightful about that place mm-hmm. uh, because you know i like sushi i like it i like it fine but there's like three places that serve mediocre sushi in lagrange and none that serve really great sushi mm-hmm. and there's no place that serves any kind of like authentic Asian cuisine of any kind, much less, I mean, not even Pan-Asian, much less Mm -hmm. Thai or good Chinese or, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. So the great thing about her restaurant is that when she serves those specials, it is always a good version of whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Got it. It sounds like I work for her, but I don't. I just give her a lot of my money. What's the hidden gem in LaGrange that no one else knows about? You know, I don't know... I am qualified to speak about any kind of hidden gems in LaGrange. I mean, to some degree, I feel like the the cloister garden right outside my office uh, here at St. Mark's is kind of a, is a very is literally a hidden gem. It's a beautiful garden that that we have here. Um, I just actually and, found that last Easter. Oh, really? I just like I've gone here for nine years now. Yeah, ten years. Yeah. And I just literally saw that last Easter because my son was exploring the church and he ran around in it. Well, it's hidden, all right. Um, but it's a beautiful spot and um, I really love it. It's 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 good. The only time it's not great to be down there is like the middle of summer, just because it's you know it's an oven basically. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that there's shade, but I I love that spot and it is literally hidden. But like, you know, I like. It's not hidden at all, but I, I do love going to like Hills and Dales on their okay. op- open house days where they have garden parties or uh-huh. those kinds of things because you can just kind of wander around and get lost in that that uh-huh. spot and in those places. 
Um, and then I'm trying to think about other other spots, but I mean, really, you find yourself with you know friends at a restaurant, and you're there for an hour and a half, and because it's Lagrange and nothing is very far away from anything else, it's easy to meet up, and you you don't have to move heaven and earth to make plans and you know all that sort of stuff so that's that's really what i love about living here okay so the hidden gem is the people not necessarily the places perhaps yeah that's a good way to put it all right random questions for fun if you could be a superhero what would your power be what power would you possess um is there a superhero hero that does teleportation? Because I would totally do that one. If, if I can't teleport, I would do flying. Um, and flying is for two reasons. Partly because when I was a kid, that was what I just always, like literally that's what I dreamed about. Okay. Um, those, I had dreams about, you know, jumping off of the hill at my elementary school and instead of falling down to the playground, like flying over the playground and I had these fantastic dreams about that. But also because I love to travel, and so if I could, if I if I didn't have to pay for airfare, I would travel <laughs> a lot more. Um, and so you know that that would definitely be my superpower because seeing new places and and going back to places I've already been that I loved, like those those are you know when you have to pay the airfare to get there, mm-hmm. it's always a choice between the new place or the old place, and wh- which one is better to, to go deep or to always discover something new uh-huh. and I feel like I would be unburdened from that choice if I could just get there myself okay so the flying wouldn't be about the and wouldn't be about the thrill of flying it would be about the getting to the place for cheap yeah I think so I mean the thrill it has to do with my childhood dreams I suppose and, and I definitely think that it would be a thrill but I don't particularly care about like hang gliding or parachuting or you know jumping out of a plane or or even learning how to fly you know um i don't particularly um care about learning how to fly you know it it is more practical i think got it all right what's your favorite food my favorite food would be oh this is tough this is very tough i think though my favorite food would be like steamed mussels. Steamed mussels? Yes, like in a garlic and butter and lemon sauce. Okay. Yeah. And yes, that would be my, if I had to pick one thing to eat. When was the last time you had that? That would be it. I've had versions of them. There's a decent version of it at Marisol here in LaGrange. And I used to think it was more than decent until I had some in Italy one time. Um, and, and it is good. It's, it's, it's really good. But, um, you know, this doesn't... We're also not on the ocean. I'm sure that if I went to someplace on the Gulf or, you know, someplace a little closer to the ocean than, than LaGrange, which is a whole other thing that's great about here, is it also is like, what is it, four hours to get to the Gulf of Mexico from here? It's not, it's not mm-hmm. too bad at all. Um, and so... But yeah, that, that, that's my favorite absolute dish, for sure. It's not something I can cook myself, um, but, but it is my favorite. All right, last, last one of these. What is your best MacGyver moment? 
Do, do you know what I mean by I that? I do. I think okay. I do in terms of just like making shit work. Yeah. You know? So, I've done a lot of this over the years. Uh, I've had children now for six and a half years. And so there are lots of opportunities to just make things work. Mm -hmm. Um, But, gosh, see, when people ask me these questions, I even thought about this one ahead of time and I couldn't come up with a specific example. It's an excellent question, though, and I can't think. Okay, tell me yours. Well, I can make a bong out of anything. Well, okay, that gives me something to work with. It was actually not with children, but and I don't know that it was really a MacGyver moment, but after I moved here, I went to Home Depot and bought all of this like PVC pipe material okay. and, and then went to Walmart and bought a can of Rave hairspray okay. and a lighter. And I turned, I, I created a potato gun. Awesome. That would, and I, we took it to my grandmother's house, you know, for a long time, and we would shoot potato. And I think that we measured like, I don't know, like, two hundred yards. <laughs> like it, the thing, and it had a nice sound to it. Um, the problem is I made it too big, and so you had to buy gigantic potatoes to like get enough pressure. Got it. I should have, I should have used smaller pipes so that I had cheaper ammo. But that was definitely that was that was a pretty proud moment when I made I made something work. Also, anytime you go to IKEA, it feels like a MacGyver moment. Seriously. So I. Yeah, I mean, it just the 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 level of stuff that I am presented with to put together and to fix as a dad is the volume is overwhelming, and so you know that's why I had trouble thinking of a specific moment. Uh, mm-hmm. The potato gun predates children, uh, and it's a pretty proud moment now that I think about it because it worked like a charm. Um, awesome. But there's lots of little fixes that happen, you know, every week when you have children. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and I constantly yell at my son all the time for hanging off the bed, like he should, like he's hanging on the wrong side of the bed or climbing up the, like climbing up the, not the ladder. Mm-hmm. Using the inappropriate, like, hanging oh, off. Oh, so he things. has a bunk bed. Yes, he has a bunk bed now. Oh, okay. And he likes to just... He likes to swing on things and aren't meant to hold his weight. Yes. Well, a fall will perhaps teach him... I'm, I'm not worried about him falling. I'm worried about breaking the bed. Oh, that's true. That's fair. Totally fair. Like, it just... Because I built that thing. Like, I yeah. had to put my... I, I put hard, like, my blood, sweat, and tears into putting that thing together. Right. Absolutely. And yeah. my money. Yeah, well, that's true. Well, yeah, until they actually pay for stuff, then they don't appreciate what it costs, what, what it takes to, to even bring it into the house, much less put it together. Yes. All right. So, is there anything else that I should have asked you but didn't? I don't think so. I mean, I'm so used to being asked theological questions. This was great to, like, get a chance to just talk about what it's like to be a member of the community and to live in this particular place. Every year, um, since 2014, 
I have partnered with various Methodist clergy in town to put together a service that we call Longing for Light in the Darkness. And it, it generated from seeing other, other churches do things like Blue Christmas service where you're focused on people who are sad around the mm-hmm. holidays. Um, but what I notice is people aren't always just sad. They are some, a lot of people are sad because you miss loved ones. Uh, it's particularly you know, uh, poignant in the holiday season, but also people are overwhelmed during the holiday season overwhelmed with expectations about parties or food or gifts or money or things like that and so I wanted to try to find a way to 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 offer a space for people who just feel overwhelmed whether it be by grief or expectations mm-hmm. and so uh, every year we offer a service at uh, this year it's gonna be 530 on the Wednesday before Christmas December 18th 530 p.m. it lasts for an hour it is a reflective service with uh, familiar hymns songs that are easy to sing but also meaningful, uh, scripture readings, and two sermons. And this year uh, I will be preaching a short sermon, and so will the Reverend Hazel Glover, who is a priest in Noonan now, but she okay. was originally from St. Mark's and grew up in LaGrange. Oh, okay. um, and so she'll be here for that service. I uh, just confirmed that today. Awesome. And, um, and also still going to continue to partner with uh, the chaplain at the college, Adam Roberts, who you interviewed uh, most recently. Uh, and my, my good friend Rick Threadgill at Lloyd Presbyterian. Uh, so they continue to partner, partner with me as well as uh, I'm trying to bring in some female voices and other people to, to be part of the service. And Hazel was a good fit because she grew up here. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, that was the interview. I hope you enjoyed listening. If you like what you heard, show your support with a $4 donation on www.patreon.com forward slash heylagrange. Don't forget to follow on social media and leave us a comment and review on whatever podcast platform you listened on. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider sharing it with someone else you think will enjoy it as well. Email me your thoughts on today's show at earlgbarnett at gmail.com. Subscribe and like wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a comment for bonus points. Follow at Earl Barnett on Twitter, at Earl G. Barnett on Instagram. Follow the podcast at Hey LaGrange on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks again for listening. Enjoy your week, and remember that creativity takes courage.